And if, if, if church does get closed, you know, in the next week or two, I think I'm going to spend that week writing this into a book. How many of y'all would buy the book if I wrote it to a book? How many of you would buy 20 copies of it? That's what, okay. Well, anyway, <laughs> you can give it away. Um, so today in part eight, we're talking about destiny. And for your handouts, there's some synonyms we're going to use so you can understand the context of the word. Uh, that would be purpose, plan, purpose and plan. I wonder, I'm curious, how many of you even used the word destiny in a sentence before you started coming to Solid Rock? Uh, there's two things we say every Sunday. God has a great plan for my life, and I will fulfill my what? My destiny. We are people of destiny. Uh, nobody is in here by accident. Um, you were not born by accident, whether your parents planned you or not. God allowed you to be born in the time he did. And listen, God allowed you to be born in the parents that he did. Uh, he could have chose any parents for you in the universe, but he chose the ones that you, that you had or that you have. Uh, God could have given you any personality, but he gave you a specific personality, specific passions. Uh, he gave you certain gifts and talents that he wants you to develop in your life. Um, God has a, 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 just like an architect has a set of drawings, and, and the drawings are so detailed. If you ever looked at some blueprints for a building, they're so detailed. And when the GC comes along, the general contractor, he could build, you know, whatever he wants, but it's not going to be to code, and it's not going to be legal. He has to follow the plans precisely, detailed. Uh, so for the next 28 minutes, I want you to put aside all concerns that you have that are, that are fearful, um, sickness, where you're eating lunch, if you're going to retire comfortably, what work holds for you tomorrow. Put, put aside all that stuff, and I want you to think about this. Our detailed God, he's a, he's a purposeful God. He's not a slack God. He's not a roll the dice and see what happens God. He's a detailed God, and he drew out a detailed plan for your life that is more detailed than any building that's ever been built by human hands, and he has a specific destination he wants you to end up at. He doesn't want you to just end up anywhere. He has a specific place, a specific destiny for every single one of you as an individual, every one of you. Jeremiah 20 and 11, we say it every Sunday, the plans I have for you, says the Lord, are to prosper you, are to give you a hope, give you a future. God specifically put inside of you what is inside of you. Um, and it may take a lifetime to discover that, but God is a detailed God. Everything he does, he, he does, he does it for a reason. It's not just happenstance. He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to let you be born, and you're going to take up space, and you're just going to breathe the oxygen, and you're going to work nine to five and try to retire comfortably, and that's your life. No, that's nothing. He has a detailed, specific plan for every single one inside this building. Every, in fact, I truly believe you're not in this church by accident. I believe that since the day you were born, God was weaving this plan in your life to try to get you to this place at this particular day for this sermon. For this sermon. So I have three points for you today. Believe it or not, three points shocking. Point number one is this. I have a purpose. And I want you to say it out loud. Say it. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. Do you believe that your children have a purpose from God? Of course you do. You have a purpose from God. Do you believe your spouse has a specific purpose from God? Yes, you have a purpose from God. It's easy to believe that about other people. You have a purpose from God. Proverbs 16, 4, everything the Lord made, everything, everybody say everything, everything. has a destiny and a purpose, everything. He's very purposeful. Every insect, every animal, even vegetables, I'm told by my wife, have a purpose. 
haven't figured out what they are yet other than to give you bad breath. But I, there's a purpose for them. I'm just kidding. There's a purpose. Um, I have fruit trees all in my backyard. Uh, all, you know, pear, apple. Uh, um, we have grapevines. We have fig trees. We have um, or, um, every, every fruit tree. If you study the larger trees, the apples and pears, when you go over to them and you look underneath every one of the green leaves that are on the tree, you'll see this incredibly huge, pointy, thick thorn. I mean, underneath every single leaf. If you study fruit trees, the ones, of course, that are not in residential areas, they have that thorn because grazing animals will come by and not just eat the fruit, they'll destroy the tree, they'll eat the bark, they'll eat the branches, it'll cause a fungi to form, and it'll kill the tree. Yes, listen, there's a purpose for every thorn. Every thorn that God made. If a thorn has a purpose, you got to believe you have a purpose. Every insect has a purpose. A bumblebee's job is to cross-pollinate, to, to pollinate one plant and fly to another plant and one tree to another tree. In fact, a lot of my fruit trees are cross-pollinators. They need another tree within the same family genealogy gene to be nearby enough for a bumblebee to be able to travel from one to the other so it can produce fruit. Okay, Listen, according to the laws of aerodynamics, a bumblebee should not be able to fly. If you study, you research, you listen to the scientists, a bumblebee's body is too large for its tiny wingspan. According to all the scientific laws of aerodynamics, a bumblebee should be a crawling insect, not a flying insect. Why does the bumblebee fly? Because that's its purpose. The bumblebee did not get the memo from the scientists that say you're not supposed to fly. I've never seen a bumblebee type in Google and ask, can we fly or not? You know what it does? It just flies. Why? Because God gave it that purpose. God spoke into every bumblebee. You were created to fly. The bumblebee says, but God, if you've seen the wingspan you gave me, I should be crawling. God says, you know what? That's what scientists say. But I told you to fly, so you're going to fly. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. Um, in Luke 1.13, an angel told Zechariah, Elizabeth, your wife, will bear a son. This, one, this was her purpose. This is, this is part of her purpose, okay? God could have chosen any woman to have this child. God chose Elizabeth. That was part of her purpose. Your son, you're going to name him John. Here's his purpose. He's going to lead people to a place of repentance. He'll prepare them for the way of the Lord. Every time John spoke, he had an anointing on his life that somehow made people say, I need Jesus. Amazing. What an amazing purpose. The fact that his mom was called to give birth to him and he had that anointing, what an amazing purpose for her. Everybody has a purpose. In the Old Testament, this woman Deborah was living in a city that was filled with violence and rape and murder, and nobody was taking authority. Nobody was dealing with it. And it says in Judges 5, villages were abandoned, rulers ceased, warriors became sloppy with no fight left in them. Coronavirus was spreading everywhere until Deborah arose, a mother in Israel. It, it's so interesting. It doesn't describe her as a great politician. Surely there were better leaders with better skills and experience, but they didn't have that destiny. She had that destiny. A mom had the purpose to raise an entire community up to a place of peace and victory. That was her purpose. She stepped into it. That was her destiny. She wasn't breathing just to take up the air. She was breathing so she could lead these people to a place of peace and victory. That was her purpose. 
Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed, before, remember the word before, before I even formed you in the womb, I knew you. That word know in Hebrew means I knew your personality and everything about you. I approved you, I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. God said, Jeremiah, I knew every cuss word you'd ever say. I knew every wrong thing you would look at on the internet. I knew every bad thing you would do, and I still gave you a purpose. And here is your purpose. I need you to speak on my behalf to these nations. This is your purpose, Jeremiah. This is why I've created this is why you're here. I've created you for this purpose. This is your purpose. Now do it. Um, everything has, do you know even, even um, um, sand has a purpose? It says, uh, let's see, it says in um, uh, Jeremiah 5.22, I've put an eternal decree, that means God spoke it, in each grain of sand to be the boundary of the ocean. The sea may roar, yet it will not pass the barrier that I've ordained. Okay, so I went to our beautiful Myrtle Beach yesterday, and I got some sand, okay? You see the sand I'm holding? Look how powerful it is. Wow, look at this grain. There's, there's probably there's probably a hundred grains of sand on that finger. It was on my middle finger. So I should have put on another finger because I was about to give you the middle finger. I'll put on this finger. Okay, now there's, there's hundred grains of sand on that finger. <laughs> look how powerful it is. Wow. Does it look does it look mighty? Does it look like it can do great things? Do you know the ocean is much more powerful than the sand? It's larger, it's mightier. Yet God spoke a decree in every grain of sand. In this particular decree, it's not in the mud in the intercoastal waterway. It's not in the red clay that you find in North Carolina. It's in the sand around the ocean. Do you know what its decree is? God said, listen, I, I spoke a decree into you. You're going to keep the ocean in its boundary. The ocean may roar. The, the, the waves may come. The winds may blow. But here's what you need to do. You need to keep the ocean there. Now, by itself, the sand is not that much. But when it joins with all the other grains of sand that have the same purpose, that all realize we have a destiny. We weren't created just to feel good on your feet. We were created so when the ocean roars, we join hands and we say, Ocean, you must go back. You must return to your boundary. This is our job. God told us to do it, so we're going to do it. No matter how far the ocean comes, it always listens to the sand. Not because the sand is more powerful, not because it's wiser, not because it's mightier, but because God put a decree in every single grain of sand. Everything has a purpose. Everything. Animals have a purpose. Uh, there was a World War II captain named Eddie Rickenbacker. And his plane crashed into the ocean, and he's in the middle of the sea, and, and he managed to eject safely. Just before impact, he grabs a piece of the wreckage, and he's floating in the middle of the ocean. 24 days, three and a half weeks, he's floating in the ocean. He had no strength left in him. He had no mental energy, no physical energy. He was just about to let go and just kill himself, just drown to death. And all of a sudden, a seagull lands on his arm. So he takes his other hand, and he grabs the seagull, and he eats the whole thing, bones and all. Y'all don't act like that's all y'all been to Kentucky Fried Chicken, so don't act like it. <laughs> that seagull gave him the strength to stay alive a few more days until he was finally rescued. At his big rescue party, he told the world how a seagull saved my life, and they all said, that's impossible. He said, what do you mean? They said, you are over 100 miles out from any piece of land. There's never been a seagull ever 
a hundred miles away. They can't fly that far. They can't survive like that. Why did the seagull land on his arm? Here's why. God gave it that purpose. He said, seagull, I have an assignment for you. There's something. When that seagull was hatched in the egg, God said, I created you for a purpose. I need you to save this man's life. You fly. I don't care how tired you are. I don't care how weak you are. You fly a hundred miles out in the ocean. A seagull's never done it before. This is your job. This is your purpose. You have a purpose. So I, I brought something with me to church today, and I, I need you to help me figure out what its purpose is. I found it in the men's bathroom. <laughs> There's no telling what's going to be in this bag, is there? Okay, so I have some hypothesis. I've been thinking about it. I've been studying it. And I thought if I can look at it, if I can tell what it, maybe I can figure out what its purpose is. So at first I thought maybe it could be a ring toss game for kids. You know, they throw the ring toss. It could be used for that. Could it not? It could. Then I thought if I stick it upside down on the ground like this, it could be a, 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 a bath for hummingbirds. No. Next time they have youth bake sale Sunday, I thought I could make cookies with it. It could be a large cookie cutter. Yes or no? Okay, okay, I'm just making sure. It has... It, it, it has um, a, a suction to it, so I thought, you know, my friend Dan, he's in New York today, but I thought it could be a hat for bald men that won't fly off <laughs> and a ring toss game at the same time. Is that what it is? What is it? It's a plunger. What does it do? Well, let's just say <laughs> it plunges, okay? The way I knew what it was created for was I went back to the designer. Now, if you're ever in a trivia game, 1777, a man named Samuel Prosser invented this. The reason I know what it does, and it, listen, it could do those other things, but it wouldn't be living up to its full potential until it does what it was actually created to do. And according to the man who designed it, it's created to plunge. If you need to, he wrote directions and you can specifically read how to use the plunger. All he did was take a piece of wood and some rubber. Now, if Samuel Prosser in 1777, if he had a specific, unique purpose for this creation, then the designer of the universe has a specific purpose for creating you. And if you don't know what it is, you can read the directions and figure out how to get there because it gave you a manual as well. If a plunger has a purpose, say this, I have a purpose. I have purpose. My destiny starts and ends with God. You have to understand that. It starts and ends with your creator. It starts and ends with your designer. It didn't start with your parents. It didn't start with your grandparents. It didn't start with whoever came to this country first in your family line. It started with God, and if you want to, it can also end with God. It's totally up to you. Uh, point number two is this. My purpose overrides. Wow, that thing really does have some suction to it. <laughs> my purpose overrides my past. One of the main reasons that people don't step out in faith is they make a mistake and they stay in, in for two weeks. They make a bad mistake. They don't do anything for two months. They feel guilty. They don't come to church. They let these things hold them back. Psalms 139 says this, before. There's the word before again. God already said, before I knew you, I, I formed you. Before I formed you, I knew you. I, I have everything. Now he says, before you were even born, I knew everything you would do. 
In other words, God knew every mistake you'd make, every right thing you would do, and He still gave you a purpose. That's a good God. He still gave you a purpose. So um, if you think about it, uh, in Jonah 1.3, uh, God tells him, I want you to go to Nineveh. So the GPS coordinates for Jonah's purpose and destiny was Nineveh. Everybody say Nineveh. But Jonah did what a lot of us do whenever God has a purpose for our life and we know he's called. We do something that totally is opposite. It says in uh, the same verse, verse 3, 1, 3, Jonah went in the opposite direction. So Nineveh was this way and Jonah went this way. And what happened to Jonah? We all know the story. He got swallowed by a whale. That's right. So I'm thinking in my mind, I, 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 picture, I, picture, um, I picture God having a conversation with an angel. And he says, listen, angel, I need somebody to go to Nineveh. And the angel says, well, what about, you know, um, Bob? And, they, and God says, well, no, Bob's going to obey me. And the angel says, what do you, what do you mean? And God, I need somebody else. So they say, okay, what about Sam? And, and, and God says, no, Sam's going to obey me too. The angel says, what are you talking about? God says, I want somebody that's going to go in the opposite direction. Why? Oh, I got a plan. Oh, it's a good plan. You see, years ago I created this little fish, and I gave this specific fish a destiny. I told it when it was born, when you get older, when you're really big, I have somebody I want you to swallow up. Don't bite him, just swallow him, and I need you to Uber him to a specific destination. I don't want you to take him to Hawaii. I don't want you to take him to Alaska. I want you to take him to Nineveh. And the angel says, well, you know what? That guy down there, Jonah, he looks like he's going to disobey you. God says, that's the one I want. I'm going to put a call in his life to go preach to Nineveh. The angel says, but he's going to disobey. God says, watch this. So they throw Jonah overboard. You know the story. He gets swallowed by the whale. Okay, listen. God's word is the GPS for our destiny, okay? So if you want to know how to get to where you want to get to, you get back to the word. And there's more specific things I'll teach you later on in the next few months. But for now, you got to go back. So Jonah made a mistake. What do you do when you make a mistake and go in the opposite direction? You repent. So in the belly of the whale, he repents, right? Watch this, Jonah 3.1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. If he had gone in the opposite direction, just like when you put coordinates in the GPS, the GPS doesn't say, you idiot, you went the wrong direction, I'm done, go back home. The GPS immediately starts to recalculate to get you to the same destination. It, you, might have to, you might have to go down a few bumps, a few, a few, few back roads. You might, you might have to take the longer way, but the call on your life doesn't change. It's still Nineveh for Jonah. The whale spit him right back up the same place. Now, preachers say um, um, God has a plan B, right? I don't think that's true. I think God always has another plan A. I think God's plan A was for Jonah to get swallowed by a whale. Do you think, do you, can you imagine the millions and millions of children who have been blessed by the story of Jonah and the whale? I would have never thought there'd ever be a story of Jonah and the Nineveh. There was a man named Jonah. God told him to go to Nineveh. He obeyed. Good story, kids. Now let's draw a picture about it. No. Jonah and the whale was much cooler. That was God's plan, A. I believe, the whole time. Uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. The calling of God is irrevocable. If the purpose for your life could be revoked, God will. If, if it's irrevocable, why would God want you to stop pursuing it when you make a mistake? And if it was revocable, then I could understand, okay, you, you messed up and you, you, got, you, know, you, you got swallowed by the whale and he's going to kill you. He's going to bite you in half. Yep, good story. If the, if the calling was revocable, you could mess it up. But the calling of God, it's, it cannot be revoked. cannot be revoked. 
Um, I'll use myself as an example. I had my first child at 16. I'm, I'm coming home from school in 10th grade taking care of my first child. Uh, I've been to jail twice. I, I pled guilty to a felony charge. It's, I'm a felon. At 17 years old, I've been, I've been a felon. I, I've been divorced, okay? I'm the one preaching to y'all. If you think that's crazy, y'all are in my church. Y'all got problems. Y'all got major problems. I mean, well, listen, the call of God's irrevocable. It's and thank God. Thank you, God, the calling is irrevocable. Thank you, God. Romans 8, 28, all things they start to work together for good. Not to everybody, watch this, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The second you start to love him, you're back on track. If you've gotten off course today, go back to loving God. And he'll put you right back on course. Go back to loving God. He'll put you right back. Here's, watch this. Don't pursue the purpose. Pursue the purpose giver. That's the goal. I know you got dreams in your heart. I know you got things you want to accomplish. Forget all that and pursue the dream giver. Pursue the purpose. If you get off track, just go back to the one. We, we already mentioned it. God's the one that designed you. God has your destiny. Just go back to pursuing him. Now, I want to show you how important the call is on your life. I want to show you how important it is to God. I want to show you how special the call of God on your life is to Him. Okay, um, God gave Abram and Sarai the purpose of having the nation of Israel come out of her womb. Uh, her children, grandchildren, they were going to be the nation of Israel. And when God told them, here's part of your purpose. I want, I want, I want a nation to come out of you. They laughed. They laughed. Okay. So here's what God did. He changed the words that they were hearing. In Genesis 17, 15, said, okay, Abram, I'm changing your name. Your name's not Abram. Your name is now Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Sarah, I know that you feel um, insecure, rejected, but I'm going to call you Sarah, which means princess. Now, have you ever seen someone named father who had no kids? No, no, fathers have kids. God called him a father. He had no kids. God called her a princess. She was insecure and felt rejected. Have you ever seen a member of the royal family feeling insecure or rejected? No. God changed the words they were hearing. God called them by their purpose. He didn't call them by their present. He didn't call them by their past. He called them by their purpose. God knows your past, but He calls you by your purpose. Satan knows your purpose, so He always calls you by your past. Which voice are you listening to? God called Abraham a father. Satan said, you got no kids. God called Sarah a princess. Satan said, you're rejected and insecure. God called David a king. His family said, you're just a shepherd. God called Paul an apostle. The world said, you're Saul the Pharisee. God called Moses a deliverer when he, everyone else said he was a murderer. God called Rahab a rescuer. The world saw her as a prostitute. Jesus called the woman at the well to be the first female evangelist. Everyone else called her an adulterer. God called Jeremiah to be a prophet. Everyone else said, you're too young. God loves, God has such a specific plan for your life. That's what he calls you by. If you listen real close today in the spirit realm, you can hear God calling you. Not by your name, but by your purpose. The reason he created you is the very thing that he calls you. That's amazing to me. Philippians 1.6, he that began the good work in you will not stop till it's perfectly complete. Here's my question. Are you letting God work on you? 
Are you allowing God to continue working on you? So there was this man years ago. He was, had a job as a store clerk, but he got fired, and he wanted to go into politics. So he started studying and studying and studying. He ran for state legislature, and he failed. So he decided to be a farmer. All of his crops died. He fell in love, and his fiance died. He ran for speaker, and he lost. He ran for Congress. He lost the nomination. He ran again for Congress and lost the nomination again. He applied for U.S. land officer and he was rejected. He ran for Senate and he lost that. He ran for vice president and he lost the nomination. He was defeated again for U.S. Senate. But in 1860, Abraham Lincoln became the president of the United States. There was a president in him the entire time just waiting to come out. Isn't that amazing? Even when God called David to be king, he went right. The, 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 remember Jesse rejected J David? Remember, Jesse had a king living in his house, and he didn't even know it. God always calls you by your purpose. Okay, point number three is this. And I think this is the biggest point, honestly. My purpose is for God's people. Now, if you think God created you for you to be successful and you to make money and you to be happy, that's not really the case. He wants you to be successful and he wants you to be prosperous and happy, but not because of you. He wants you to do it so you can be a blessing to other people. Your purpose doesn't have to do with your dreams. Your purpose has to do with what he's called you to do for the kingdom of God, for other people. Okay? If you think your purpose involves making you the man and making you successful... The, the reason behind it is so you can be a blessing to others. Genesis 12, 2, I'll bless you with an abundant increase and you'll be a blessing dispensing good to others. The goal for your purpose is to help people. Love God, love people, right? Love God. Now, in the next few months, I'll do a series to help you hone in on your exact gifting. But for now, I have a little equation to show you, and that is this, to help you kind of figure out your purpose. Your passion, which is your personality giftings, plus your ability, your giftedness, plus plus not your bank account, plus not your dreams, plus the body of Christ or the local church, that's your purpose. Okay? Now watch this. If, if you just have passion but no ability, it's not going to bless anybody but you. Um, there's this preacher phrase that is untrue, and it says, uh, God's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. That's not true. That's unbiblical. All through the Bible it says, if you're able, if you're able, must be able, must be able. So you look at your passions, then you look at the areas that you're naturally gifted in and the areas that you know God wants you to improve and study. David, um, a position at the palace opened up for David because they were looking for, read your Bible, a skilled harpist. Not a harpist, a skilled harpist. They didn't want a harpist that could just play G, C, and D. They wanted one that knew all the chords, that practiced, that, that, that developed their talent. Uh, when David slayed Goliath, uh, the rock did not supernaturally hit Goliath in the one spot he had no armor. David practiced the slingshot. He practiced. He killed the bear. He killed the lion. He practiced it. <laughs> Jimmy, where are you at? I said to Jimmy, I said before service, I said... Oh, uh, that's on silent, right? He's like, no, I put it on the loudest setting there is. I thought he was kidding. The purpose of that phone is to be destroyed. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay, so listen. <laughs> if your passion is to encourage people, you need to be good at it. 
I had a lady tell me a while back that her passion was to uh, encourage um, single moms. And I said, well, are you encouraging any? She said, well, no, I'm going to wait till God gives me a ministry. That's not how it works. you got to start where you're at. And I actually told this lady, I said, naturally, it seems you're very negative and you always talk about yourself. Are you learning how to encourage other people? Or you're reading a book? Or you, if that's part of your passion, you need to have the ability as well. If you have the gift of, there's a certain gift of giving in the Bible. There's also a gift of healing and these different gifts. You need to have the ability. You need to grow in these areas. And it's not just for yourself. It's for the body of Christ. Okay? 1 Peter 4.10, each of you has received a gift from God. Use your gift. What's the last word? Yeah. Now, I want to teach you something cool. You want to hear something cool? And then I'll close. I have four age brackets up here I want to show you. 0 to 21, 22 to 42, 43 to 60, and 61 to 100. Someone taught me this years ago, and at first I didn't like it, but then I understood it, and it, and it made a lot of sense. And I'm going to teach it to you. Biblically and historically... Okay, so not just, I'm not just looking at the Bible, I'm also looking at the history of the world and the history of our, of our country, the USFA. Um, Christian men and women, okay, believers. Most women, most, 99%, discover their purpose and begin to fulfill it between the age of 22 and 42. Most men begin to discover their purpose and fulfill it at what age do you think? 61 to 100. <laughs> Somebody said if they live that long. <laughs> Let me rephrase it. Most men discover their purpose and begin to fulfill it in the last few seasons of their life. Regardless of how long they live, most of it. And same with women. Women do it in this, usually the second or third season of their life, so to speak. Okay, here's why. A man spends his life providing for his family protecting the ones he loves, and preparing for a retirement. Once he gets to be in his 60s or so, he comes to terms as he's getting close to the age of what most people die at, that he was never the protector. God was. He was never the provider. That was God as well. And no matter how much this man prepares for the future, the whole world can plummet just like that. Unless you serve God. So between the age of 61 and 100, most men finally begin to relax and trust in God and not their own talents, gifts, and contacts and experience. And they begin to listen closer to God and less of what the world thinks and says. And they realize, a man always realizes in 60s and above, that all these things that happened in life, the relationships, the business deals, the the experience, the successes, the failures, everything was to prepare him to use his life to serve the kingdom of God and not his own kingdom. And most men don't realize that until 60s, 70s, and 80s. And God actually created us like that, believe it or not. If you read the whole Bible, most every man in the Bible did not discover their purpose and start to fulfill it to the last season or so of their life. Women, when they get married and or start having children, very quickly, every dream that woman had all through high school of what she was going to do and become starts to be put on the back burner. And she has to go in the bathroom and pretend like she's using it just to have five minutes alone. 
Because this woman is too busy serving her husband or taking care of kids or serving in church. Every church around the world, 70% of them are women that serve, 30% are men. And while a woman may sometimes complain, I never have time to myself, I never get anything done, she realizes in that 21 to 42 age, I actually enjoy serving other people. And when a woman finally gets an hour to take a nap, you know what she does? She don't take a nap. She works on something for somebody else. The husband says, okay, honey, I'll give you one hour to yourself. Big woo, you're right. I'll take care of the kids. You do whatever you want to do. And the woman says, well, I'm going to clean the house. I'm going to, take, I'm going to make this for the school project. I'm going to do this for you. And a woman learns a lot sooner that she was created to serve others. And a man's not until he's in his 60s or 70s that realizes that very same truth. Even though I was going to use myself as an example, I realize that part of my destiny is to preach. I don't think that's the main thing. I've been hearing these whispers lately that when I'm in my 60s and 70s, God's going to use me to encourage uh, pastors of local churches and smaller churches and, and pastors that don't have a big staff and don't have people to, to you know, don't have close friends. And, and, and all the ups and downs I've learned through pastoring, I feel like that's going to be my main purpose. And preaching is great, but I, I, just, I just hear that in the spirit realm. But I feel like God's saying, you wait till you get into your 60s. Wait till your anointing is at its strongest. That's when I'm really going to use you to do great things. Isn't this so interesting? Women, don't, women discover that so much sooner than men do. Every obedient step that you take year after year in your service to Jesus is preparing you for your ultimate destination. Uh, I'll tell you this story. When I first met Micah, my wife, she had dreams of singing um, on the radio and being on American Idol, you know. And about a year after we were married, out of the blue, she was studying her Bible one day or reading a book. She came to me and said, I think I know what my purpose is now. I said, what? She said, I think my purpose is to help you fulfill your purpose. And I said, well, guess what? I think my purpose is to help you fulfill your purpose. And I've told her and I've told my kids, for the rest of your life, anything that you feel like God wants you to do, I'll give every dollar I have and every ounce of my energy to help you fulfill what you think God is asking you to do for His kingdom. What would our marriages be like if our heart was, whatever you think God wants you to do in the kingdom, I'll do everything in my power to help you fulfill it. And then that person says to you, well, no, 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 no. Whatever you think God's calling you to do, I'm going to help you fulfill that purpose. How would things change? If we got our minds off of what I want to become and what I want to do, and our mind was, what can I help? You know, your purpose is to help somebody else fulfill their purpose. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Solomon, I admire this guy. I'm going to tell you a story and let you go. But Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus. And he spent his life doing what most men do to find happiness. He tried women and got married, and that didn't work. So he got married again, and that didn't work. And he got married again. He had hundreds of wives. It didn't work, believe it or not. He was the richest man in the world. you got to be if you have all those wives. And none of that worked either. No money worked. So he tried fame. And people traveled all over the world to hear him speak. And that didn't work. And so just like every man, after all this, after all this, after I've tried everything, I tried to climb the corporate ladder. I tried to get the popular vote. I tried all these things to be happy. And Ecclesiastes 12, 13 said there's only one thing left to say. Worship God and keep His commandments, for this is the purpose 
This is your purpose and the foundation for all happiness. Don't wait till you get to the end of your life to discover your purpose. I'll close with this. There is a famous city in India, a magnificent city, they say, called Varanasi. And Varanasi is known for its silk saris. Here's a picture of what a sari is. A sari is like a, a, a beautiful dress slash suit, I guess you'd say, like a robe for women. The saris made in this particular Indian city are extremely expensive, very valuable. In fact, the most prestigious, high-class, richest weddings in the world, those, those weddings are like $10 million weddings, they purchase their saris from this particular city, this particular place. Um, the, the, the way um, it's, it's made, they're made out of silk, of course, it's, it's by a two-person team, and I'll show you a picture in a second, but uh, there's a, a father and son team usually. The father is sitting up on, on like a, a, a platform area. He has all the different threads and, and beautiful, you know, silk lines in his hand. And his son is about two steps lower. And the father has these beautiful colors woven through his fingers. And he smiles and he nods at his son. And the son is down here. And the son has this machine. And there's a piece called the shuttle. And the, when the father nods, the son takes the shuttle from, from right to left. And then about two minutes later, the father's got more colors in his fingers. He nods at his son, and the son takes the shuttle and moves it from left to right. Hour after hour, this is all that happens. The father is, is weaving these, these string silk threads through his fingers, very expensive, very high quality. He nods. The son goes right to left, and the son goes left to right. All the father does is nod, and the son knows what to do. At first, it just looks like a bunch of, you know, threads and colors. But as the time progresses, you begin to see the most beautiful design coming to fruition. The entire time it's being made, the father has the design up in his mind. He's responsible for the color change, for the, the pictures that it produces, all of the different designs. And the son, all he does is move the shuttle from right to left and left to right. When it's all finished, and it sells for thousands and thousands of dollars, the son has a huge smile on his face as if he did something wonderful. When all he did was respond to the nodding of the father, right to left and left to right. The design came to fruition because it started with the Father. And I believe if you will continue to serve God with your whole heart, when you get to heaven, you'll look down and see the most beautiful design that took place because of your life on earth. All you did by the grace of God was wait for His nod to move from the right to the left and the left to the right. Your design was made from the mind of the Father. Hebrews 12.2 says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. I believe that if you're still breathing and you're willing to move when God says move, I believe that nothing will stop you from fulfilling your God-given destiny. Amen. Amen. And that's the end of our series.
we ended with a really good plunge. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads right where you are. Lord, thank you for angels that are posted around every vehicle, home, and workplace of each person at Solid Rock. Thank you for giving every person in this room a specific purpose and plan. Lord, help us to not be stressed out about the purpose, but to be encouraged and at peace as we pursue the purpose giver. Lord, don't let this be just one of those sermon series that that we like for a time and then forget. Let us remember wherever we're at, wherever we go, that you have a destiny for every person in this room. We may not understand certain things. We may not like certain things. But we know that you are designing the most beautiful picture through our life. So we surrender it you to you today. <clears throat> and we thank you for being a good God and a detailed designer of the entire universe. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Okay, I want you to look at me. Stand to your feet. I want you to look at me and I'm going to let you go, okay? Everybody look up here. I promise you, if you're a member of this church, I will dedicate my life. Until I take my last breath, I will dedicate my life to help you fulfill the purpose that God has on your life. I'll spend every last penny I have to. I'll research every book in the world if I have to. I'll make calls and contacts, whatever it takes. For your time at Solid Rock, I'll do everything I can to make sure that you do not leave this earth without fulfilling the destiny that God has for you. Whatever you put into this place, I promise you'll get out of it. Amen. I'll see you next Sunday. Be blessed. Have a great week. Have a great week. No shaking of hands, but holy nods will do.